Hello fellow adventurers and welcome to the Nerd Lab, where we transform our gaming passion into incredible game designs and learn how to nerd like a boss. My name is Marvin and I'm an ambitious game designer on my quest to develop a cooperative fantasy card game. For this podcast, my vision is to take you with me on this exciting journey. Together we will explore the secrets of different game mechanics and reach the next level as a game designer. Today's episode is about point scoring mechanisms. So here is why I'm talking about that strange topic. Uh, the first reason is probably because it is um, yeah, some kind of mechanic or aspect of um, a, lot of, a lot of board games. Um, and the second reason is because last weekend um, we had very bad weather here in Germany. It was very cold and rainy and snowy outside. So I decided to um, yeah, play some games with my with my children and especially my son. And um, yeah, we decided to make our own game. And um, yeah, so we talked about a few ideas and um, uh, my son told me that he really likes insects. And so we, um, yeah, we drew a bunch of insects on cards and um, then decided what the cards should mean. And we ended up with a game that is, um, yeah, that goes into the direction of, um, let's say, Sushi Go or um, Point Salad or, yeah, all of these other, let's say, drafting games that at the where well, at the end you score um points based on the cards that you that you acquired and the game turned out to be uh, a lot of fun and um so my goal was to um research a few games of that genre and um yeah especially different kind of point scoring mechanisms so um how you how do to combine different cards um to, to score points in an interesting way because I think I need to extend the game a little bit to to um, yeah just to keep my my son interested um, we played six hours uh, uh, of that game over the last two days of the weekend uh, last week and um, yeah we are looking to expand it because it really was a lot of fun with the entire family and um, he now introduced the game to all of his friends uh, to the rest of the family as um, yeah his first creation so um, yeah it was pretty cool to to um, uh, cool exercise to do this together with him and um, yeah I thought it might be a uh, an interesting podcast episode to dive a little bit deeper into the different uh, ways of scoring points because it's um, yeah not only relevant for um, an easier kids game it's also relevant for i don't know heavier euro games or let's say um, strategy games or so so before we go into the nitty-gritties of this um this episode i wanted to talk a little bit about um let's say aspects of uh, point scoring so there are different things that you can that you can use in your game for example the the point scoring could be hidden or it could be revealed and the question really is um yeah should it be hidden or not um and um yeah i would say that depends um if if the point scoring is hidden during the game that means that the players who are losing they will probably stay a little bit more involved and motivated because they do not really know that they are losing um and also players don't get too distracted from from um yeah computing the entire scores of all the different players to see how they are doing but on the other side it can also have a positive effect if the um 
information of the points is available because you always know who the leader is and you can um, specifically attack that leader. So this is some kind of a um, of a comeback mechanic or it can become or support um, a specific comeback mechanic. Um, this can be definitely an advantage, but it can also end up as a, as a disadvantage if this ends up in a lot of politics and uh, ganging up against one player or can even lead to some kind of of king making where some players really um yeah fight against each other and take away the points from from each other and maybe one that is uh, staying behind just looking um staying passive at the end wins because he didn't didn't spend a lot of resources so um it really depends on the kind of game if you want to make the the scores hidden or not um I personally prefer um, if they are hidden, but that's just my personal preference. And I only wanted to tackle this um, topic in today's show um, on the side anyway. So um, another aspect that you can consider is um, if you want to have multiple ways of scoring. Um, let's say in the end you could only, I don't know, count the number of cards and that could be your scoring mechanism. Um, which would be absolutely fine uh, depending on um, on your game or you could count your i don't know your coins that you collected but you can also have a game with um um yeah different uh, or multiple ways of scoring for example you could score your uh, research result by counting the number of technologies you researched or counting the number of um I don't know, troops you have or whatsoever. So having different, that pretty much goes into the direction of diff, have differing, different goals or win conditions in the game. So um, I think personally, it's always a good idea to have multiple ways of, uh, of scoring in a game. But as mentioned, this also um, pretty much depends on your game. Um, but I just wanted to mention here because it really is also something that, um, that you have to consider when you think about... Um, point scoring um, for the kind of games that i'm looking at today which are pretty much about um kind of some kind of card distribution mechanic like a draft in the beginning um you always uh, have uh, multiple ways of scoring so it's not only just one possible way it's always uh, different combinations of cards score in a different way um, and I really enjoy that about those games because it allows for multiple and different and various uh, tactics, which um, yeah, which is something I really enjoy in, in those games. And the last introductory topic is the scale of your scoring points. So in the end, it is a difference if you win with five victory points or with something like 200 victory points. Um, large scale really allows you to balance things more granularly as a game designer but it will also make let's say the lower number points less exciting for your players um, you probably also need to work with a lot of uh, multipliers to get the, to those high numbers anyway uh, which will increase the math uh, the players need to do um, and add a lot of uh, calculating uh, work to to come up with the final score so um, there again here is also no wrong or right um, I tend to shoot for something like, I don't know, let's say uh, between 20 and 50 points at the maximum. That's something that I shoot for. And 
um, the final scores should not be too far from each other between the different players to um, yeah to make sure that they have at least um, yeah that the, the result feels at least close. So um, if one player ends up with let's say 30 points, it would be good if the second player also ends up with uh, I don't know 25 or 28 points or something like that. Um, that will not always be the case, of course, and that's not something you can um, you can always um, impact but or influence but it should be some kind of design goal to make it uh, to make it close and sorry there is one last thing i need to mention before i go into the details and that is that the um, scoring mechanism they can really be used for some kind of race where someone wins once um, he or she has um and gotten to a certain threshold for example the first one who reaches 20 victory points wins the game on the spot and it can also be used for some kind of competition that goes for, um, I don't know, let's say five rounds or so. And who at the end of those five rounds has the most points wins the game. I think most of the things that I'm going to talk about today can be used for both for races and competitions. But the games that I analyzed are all um, kind of competitions. So I just wanted to make that clear before we dive in. Okay. What I did is I analyzed different games that use kind of um, some kind of card distribution mechanic in the beginning, like a draft, um, and then some kind of scoring mechanism, point scoring mechanisms in the end, based on the different cards that you acquired. And the types of scoring then were divided into three categories. So I um, researched all of those different cards, looked through the cards of those games, and um, analyzed what kind of different scoring um, mechanisms are in there. And they have been derided into three categories. The first one is um, specific. That are all the cards that have some kind of fixed number value um, indicated on the card. So if you have at the end of the game this card into your pile, in your pile, you get, I don't know, two victory points. That is a card with a specific scoring on it. Then we have the second category, which are cards of um, which have a conditional scoring. Um, they um, only give you victory points if you fulfill a certain condition in the end. And that are often cards that somehow define your strategy during the, um, the card distribution phase. And the third category are cards that are, have some kind of uh, variable scoring mechanism. Let's say they have an, an asterisk printed on the on the card indicating that the um, the value, the, the number of points you get at the end, uh, depend on yeah on something. That could be uh, a lot of different things, and I will go into the details um, a little bit later in the show today. But as an example, you can use the dumpling card of um, Sushi Go, which gives you one point if you have one. Um, of those cards at the end um, but it gives you three points if you have two of those cards in the end and you get even six points if you have three cards and so on and so on so this would be a, a perfect example for a variable card but before we start with the variable cards um, yeah let's start with the first first um, aspect of the uh, scoring mechanism which would be specific cards and um, to be honest there is really not much to say about specific cards um, because they have a static value printed on them and they do not much else 
Um, the only thing they are really used for are, um, let's say, they become kind of uh, combos with other cards. So they are often required to activate conditional cards, for example, or they can interact with variable cards. So um, they are more or less the the plain vanilla boring cards um, in those games, um, but most of them have, have them to some degree. In the game that I designed with my then, this would be the frog. And yes, I know, I told you it's a game about insects and the frog is not an insect, I know. Um, but my son is four years old and he wanted to have a frog in the game. So um, we have a frog in in the game, in our insect game. But the good thing is, um, it still makes sense from a thematic point of view because um, frogs eat flies and flies are insects. So um, the specific card in the set is the frog and the fly is um, the conditional card because... Um, when you pick a fly in the, uh, in the end, it will multiply the value of one frog um, times three. So if you have a frog, it gives you two points at the end. But if you have a fly that can be eaten by the frog, you get six points at the end instead of two. But if you have the conditional card, the fly, and you do not have a frog, you don't get any points. You get zero points. And while we are already um, talking about conditional cards and also about multipliers, um, let's quickly talk about multipliers in those kind of games because um, it's very tempting to add a lot of math into your scoring system um, because it can make your system quite unique and very interesting because you can come up with some kind of calculations and equations that have never been done before. Um, and uh, don't get me wrong, multipliers are really great because uh, if you can multiply something, you can get to higher numbers very quickly. And that is something that players are looking for. They try to maximize their strategy. So they will be picking multipliers quite highly. Um, so they are exciting and motivating, but they are also dangerous because um, your scores will vary widely because if one player has some kind of multiplier and the other player uh, does not uh, that means that um, he will probably or he or she will probably win by by a good margin and um, that is often not what you want um, as we discussed before and the second problem is of course it requires math um, in my case, with the frog and the fly, that was kind of intentional because I want my son to uh, to learn how to multiply. So that was uh, one reason why I put it in the game. And um, what also what I think makes sense is to somehow restrict the stuff that can be com uh, combined with each other, especially when it comes to multipliers. For example, I made it very specific that the fly can only be combined with the frog. That uh, in that sense, I'm I can I can make sure that the uh, multiplier of three will only be combined with a, a fixed value of two, ending up with a um, with a point value of six. Um, that is a, a, a um, an equation that my son can solve, and by adding the um, restriction that you can only um, it only multiplies one other frog, um, it doesn't go out of hand. So that was uh, something that I wanted to make sure in the game that um, yeah. Um, you cannot just win by having one fly and all the frogs. But let's look at some examples of um, yeah, probably um, better game designers than I am. Um, 
and how they use those conditional um, scoring mechanisms. And I would like to start with a game that's called Cat Lady. Um, and I think it's a really innovative game with, uh, uh, with some very interesting um, ideas. And the game is um, also a drafting game, um, but the draft is a little bit different than, um, than just having a hand of cards and uh, passing them around. Um, because you have a kind of a three times three grid in the middle of the, uh, of the board or the table. Um, so uh, with face-up cards. So you have nine cards with uh, three rows and three columns in the middle. Um, and you, whenever it's your turn, you can take one row or one column. That means you pick three cards at a time. And um, yeah, that. Uh, but you cannot just choose three random uh, or specific cards from those nine. You have to go with uh, rows or columns. And I really, I really like that. The, the decisions, um, it sounds simple and um, yeah, but it really... The decisions are really interesting because um, you always have uh, uh, to evaluate multiple cards against uh, other multiple cards, which is kind of tough. Uh, but since the cards are pretty easy and simple, um, it's an interesting decision to make. And yeah, the, the game, as the name um, yeah, already indicates, is about cats. And you have to feed those cats. So you are picking cat cards, and all of them, all of the cats are hungry, and you need to pick food for them. So um, food cards, um, yeah, can come in three ways. You can pick chicken, tuna, or milk, um, because that's what uh, cats like. And um, when you pick one of those food cards, you discard it immediately and get the food tokens. Um, and um, in the end, you then only score, uh, score points for the cats that are fed. And um, there is also one safety net in the game that um, players with the most leftover food at the end um, lose two victory points. So that just picking away all the food is not the dominant strategy. But that's not what I want to talk about here when it comes to conditional um, um, scoring mechanisms. I wanted to talk about costumes because you do not only have to feed your cats, you also have to, um, I don't know, pick costumes for them, for example. And at the end of the game, the player that has the most costumes gains six victory points. Um, and if two or more players are tied for the most, uh, they divide the victory points among them evenly. Um, that is uh, something that you will see more often when it comes to conditional effects uh, because the one condition that is used in, I would say, all of those games is to have the most of something. And um, what some of those games do is they combine it with a second condition. And that condition is if you do have the least of them, you lose two victory points. So if you do not... Uh, pick costumes at all, you would at, will at the end definitely lose uh, two victory points. Sushi Go has a similar or has similar cards. For example, marquee rolls. Um, they have some kind of icons on top of each marquee roll, and um, whoever has the most scores six points. But for the marquee rolls, it's not that the least player loses victory points. It's that um, they have an also a secondary condition, which is that the second, uh, who has the second most, um, still go, gets uh, three victory points. And um, they also have uh, other cards like uh, 
Euromarki, uh, which where the first player gets eight points, the second player gets five points, and the third player gets two points. But of course, in Sushi Go, you also have um, the equivalent for the cat costumes. Uh, you have the Temaki, which say who has the most of them gets four points, and who has the fewest gets minus four points. In Sushi Go, you also have tempura and sashimi. Uh, tempura says you need two of them to get five points, and sashimi says you need three of them to get ten points. So I I consider them to be conditional because if you do not meet the condition of having two or three, you score zero points. But I could also see um, adding them to the um, to the score mechanism category of variable. Um, scoring mechanisms then another one in sushi go is uh, soy sauce which uh, says at the end of a round in which soy sauce is played all the players compare how many different colored backgrounds they have among the cards that they have played so it's not about the card itself it's about the uh, another aspect of the card the colored background um, and um, yeah who has the most different colors uh, gets four points so um You do not know if this card will uh, this card will occur when you when you pick, so you need always have to uh, put that into your mind a little bit. Um, if someone um, plays that card, you um, yeah, it's always good to have different colors of the background. Um, and yeah, then there comes a similar card to my fly card um, in my game. That is uh, the wasabi. And when you play a wasabi card, um, it has no effect. So it is 100% conditional. Um, and the condition is that the next nigiri card that you play um, will be placed on the wasabi card and it will uh, the points will be tripled at the end of the round. Um, but you can only place one nigiri on top of the wasabi. So, um, yeah. If you have a wasabi and don't pick up a nigiri in that round, you don't get any points. And um, there are more cards um, in Sushi Go, and I will quickly go over them because I think it might help uh, uh, someone to spark some ideas out there. Um, for example, there is the green tea ice cream. And at the end of the game, um, if you have one, two, or three uh, green tea ice cream cards, they are worth zero points. Um, but if you have four green iced tea cards, um, you score 12 points. So if you want to go for them, they define your strategy because you want to get all of them. Okay, and I have um, not only looked at those two games, I have looked at more games. For example, I also checked the game Go Nuts for Donuts, um, which I didn't play yet, but I looked through the cards and the rules and the game Point Salad. And there are also some more conditional scoring mechanisms in those games for example in point salad you score points if you have a um, an even number of a certain card type or an odd number of a certain card type so you um, need to uh, during the end of the game you need to make sure that the um, number of cards that you have in your pile match the goal that you are going for um, and in gonads for donuts which is a game about um, yeah drafting donuts You um, have, for example, a, a maple bar um, and you score three points at the end of the game if you have more than six types of donuts. So that in Magic, I would say this is a go-white strategy where you try to get more uh, different, um, different type of donuts. Um, and 
there are also other scoring mechanisms. Most of them we have already seen, but I want to highlight here the ones that we have not heard of yet. Uh, for example, we have um, the Maple Frosted, which scores five points at the end of the game if you have the fewest cards of all players. And um, that can happen if, in some games, that can happen. In other games, it can't, um, because depending on your distribution mechanism. And let's say you have some some way of discarding cards. Or you have some kind of distribution mechanic which allows some players to gain more cards than others. So this would be a, um, a way of um, yeah, giving players some kind of uh, victory points uh, for, yeah, for not picking as many cards as other players. Um, or getting rid of some of the cards. And we have the Mucho Matcha, which also scores three points at the end of the game if you have fewer than seven types of donuts. So you can get points if you have more than some types of donuts, and you can po get points if you have less uh, or fewer types of donuts. So those cards, as mentioned in the beginning, those conditional cards, they really define your strategy and help players to guide a direction what cards to pick. So that typically also um, leads to some kind of strategy that forms over time during those distribution mechanism in the beginning so in the, the first picks will be uh, pretty difficult and hard because you don't really have a direction you don't know what your strategy is but the more of the conditional cards you pick the the better you know what kind of other cards you have to prioritize and that's also just an aspect that i like about those kind of games and um that really comes with the conditional with the conditional cards and conditional effects so you need them um to 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 have this effect in your game okay now let's get to variable cards when we talk about variable point scoring mechanisms or cards they are pretty close to the conditional cards but um oftentimes they do not have the condition to either score points or don't score points they are, the question that they ask is often just how many points um, they deliver or score and um, so they do not have that uh, strong of a condition and they're oftentimes not um, forcing you into a specific strategy they are just getting better um, for example with the amount of, uh, of cards you have but there are also very interesting variations so let's take a look at them um, the best example probably is the dumpling card of um, Sushi Go, which says if you have one copy, you get one point. But if you have two copies, you get three points. And if you have three copies, you get six points. And four copies give you 10 points and five copies give you 15 points. So um, that does something interesting um, to the game. So it's not only um, a variable scoring mechanism, it also... Um, comes with some kind of progression progression in the game or it adds some kind of progression to the game because the longer the game goes um, the more points per action or per card that you pick can be achieved what i mean by that is the first dumpling you pick probably early in the game gives you one point but the fifth dumpling you pick gives you five points which um, is some kind um, of increasing the tension towards the end of the game which is pretty pretty interesting and um, yeah this is true for many of the variable cards so another one is for example the um, the eel of uh, uh, sushi go and uh, the eel gives you minus three points if you have one 
um, but it gives you seven points if you have two or more. Um, so what you are shooting for is you want exactly two because the third one gives you zero points. Um, the fourth one gives you zero points and um, the first one gives you minus, minus three points. So it, um, yeah, it's also variable, but it has a specific high point, some specific value of cards that you are shooting for. You do not want less and you do not want more. Um, yeah, and there are also other, let's say, a bit more, I don't want to say interesting variable cards, but um, maybe a little bit versatile or interesting or different. Um, for example, the Edamame of the um, Sushi Go gives you one point per opponent with any Edamame um, for each of your Edamame played cards. So what does it mean? Um, they are worth zero points if only one player plays um, one of the Edamame cards. But let's say you play two Edamame cards and three of your opponents also play um, an Edamame card. That means each of your Edamame card gives you three points because for each opponent that played at least one Edamame card, you get um, one point per Edamame card you played. Uh, so for your two cards, it would be uh, six points in, uh, in total. And um, yeah, I, I like that because you want to have a lot of Edamame cards, but you also need to make sure that the opponents have those cards. And <laughs> in best case, you would also like to distribute them between the opponents. And um, yeah, maybe your game even gives you the chance to distribute specific cards to opponents, which would be would be very cool um, kind of uh, strategy. And um, yeah, for example, there's there are other cards like the um, onigiri onigiri um, that will give you points um, uh, for collecting different shapes. So the onigiri come in four different shapes like circle, triangle, square, and rectangle, and you score points based on how many unique shapes you collect. Um, so if you have one, you get one point. If you have two, you get four points. For three, you get nine points. And for four, you get 16 points. Though this is definitely um, a square distribution. Um, so if you go for that strategy, you definitely want to pick four different shapes of, um, of the onigiri. But um, yeah, I mean, if you have two circles, for example, that doesn't give you anything. So you are really on the hunt for very specific cards. Um, also, the um, the tofu is also a variable card because it gives you one point. Uh, if you have one, you get two points. If you have two, you get six points. But if you have three, you get zero points. None at all. So, um, yeah, you have to make sure you don't get the third one. Um, and another card is the T card. Um, you at the end of the round you count the number of cards in your largest set of cards with the same background color and then the t is worth one point per card in that set so if you pick it early you can then also um, adjust your strategy and try to pick only or at least um, value cards of a certain color a little bit higher than you would otherwise and the last card from, from Sushi Go is um, the fruit card. 
And um, at the end of the game, all players score three types of fruit, for example, watermelon, uh, orange, and pineapple in that game. And um, you then add up the scores uh, depending on those different fruit icons. And what this is, it's really like some kind of, um, let's say, table or matrix that you that you have to use to calculate the number in the end. So it's uh, not really kind of math you need to make. Um, it's more like a, a lookup table where you then look, okay, I have uh, uh, two pineapples that gives me um, three points. I do not have an orange that gives me, unfortunately, minus two points. But I have, uh, I don't know, what did I forget? Watermelons. I have uh, five watermelons that gives me 10 points. So um, you, these kind of lookup tables is something that you that you see also in many in many of those games. It's also in the um, Cat Lady game where you, for the cats, if you remember the cats, you need to feed them, you need to um, dress them, and you also need to collect some toys for them. And um, yeah, when you take a toy card, um, you uh, also collect it as a form of a, of a set. And in the end of the game, you gain victory points based on the number of different toys you have. And you can score those sets multiple times. So in the game, you have, um, I don't know, a mouse toy, you have a cat tower, and what is the third one? Um, I don't know, some kind of uh, wand that you can use to play with those cats. And um, if you have uh, one set of all of those, you, for so if you let's say you have three different toy toys, you get five points per set. But if you have another set full of where you only have the mouse toy and the cat tower, that is a set of two, you get at least three points. And then you have another set with only one toy where you only have the mouse, that gives you at least one point. So it's kind of I collect a set of different cards that belong together and the more I have from, from a set, um, the more points I get. And at the end, I look into my lookup table um, and call, count my um, and calculate my my victory points. There is another game called Sunday Split. Um, this is a game where you have to build the best ice cream sundae um, from some ingredient ingredients. Um, it's an I split you choose game, so it's not 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 a real drafting game. Um, but you, I don't know how many cards you put together, but um, you you create different kind of piles and um, then. Um, the opponent can choose one of those piles and you get the other one. And um, the game consists of uh, uh, three different ice cream flavors. You have vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. Um, and you have 10 of the of each of those cards, I guess, or I think. And um, you have um, then special cards that um, impact the scoring at the end. For example, you have... Um, Cards like bananas, where the as we have seen before, the one who the player who has the most um, of the bananas gets ten points, and um, the one with the second most bananas gets five points. But the card that I wanted to mention here or highlight here is the cherry because um, it's a variable card and it has a variable multiplier. So you um, the number of cherries you pick defines the multiplier so let's say you picked five vanilla cards and two cherries 
That would mean you then multiply the five vanilla cards with the two cherries. So you would get 10 points. Um, but if you collected three cherries and five vanilla cards, the multiplier would increase to three, though you would uh, get 15 points. Five vanillas um, um, and uh, multiplied with three cherries. So I was, I didn't play the game, but I was a little bit concerned that um, this could get out of hand quite quickly with uh, uh, with the number of cherries and cherries would be I think would be a very high um, high target to pick because uh, increasing a multiplier uh, with one card from three to four could be quite good um, if you manage to um, focus on one of those um, one of those flavors. Okay. Um, there are a few more things that I want to talk about. First of all, I want to talk about loss aversion because um, as you have seen with the um, variable cards and also some of the conditional cards, they can also um, give you negative points. And um, that is something from a psychological point of view that can be very frustrating for players. So in my game, I also have a card. If you have one of those cards, you get five points. But if you have more than one of those cards, you get negative three points. And I thought this card would be really, really cool. And I enjoyed playing with it. But my son hates that card. He really hates it. Even if he wins the game, he is disappointed at the end. It feels like losing for him if he's not able to manage to only get one of those cards. Uh, get, getting negative points is, is, is so bad for him. Um, that really was eye-opening eye -opening for me. So he was not trying to get the most victory points anymore. He was only trying to not get two of those cards to avoid getting uh, negative points. Um, so this kind of penalties they can have a bigger impact on player motivation than offering any kind of rewards um, even if they have some kind of the same effect on the gameplay in the end um, um, and uh, so my son decided that this card is not going into our game and of course it was uh, a co-production so he won and the game was removed uh, the card was removed from the game i don't think those minus points or negative points are too big of a problem for older players but uh, since he is quite young um, it really was a problem for him so um, <laughs> for our game for our um, game we removed those cards but um, I also found some uh, mitigation tactics um, for having this loss aversion in, in, in games and um, they, are, they can be quite interesting to be honest so um, for example in Sushi Go you have uh, the takeout box um, and when you play it, you can um, you can immediately choose uh, any number of cards that you played on previous turns um, and flip them face down. These cards will then no longer be considered um, in the end of the game. Um, instead, they are counted as a card with two points, with a, a, a static card with two points. Um, this allows you to get rid of those uh, cards that would give you minus points, uh, for example. So if you have multiple cards that allow you that, um, that could make up for that loss aversion um, effect. Um, and um, in the um, 
Go Nuts for Donuts game, you also have a card that does a pretty similar thing. That is the coffee. And that will give you at the end, it will give you one point for each card that give you ne gives you negative points. Um, that, I mean, the cards still give you negative points and um, reducing, giving one point or reducing that by one is not solving the entire problem but i think it's a good mitigation tactic so if you if you have a lot of minus cards uh, in your stack you um it's probably worse to take one of the coffee cards and um, they also have the raspberry frosted as an example um, and when you take it you can discard one of your previously collected cards also giving you the chance to get rid of those cards that don't really match well with your strategy and give you minus card uh, costs uh, points in the end so take that into account. Um, loss aversion is a real thing, and <laughs> at least for um, a four-year-old, it can really ruin the game experience. So if this is your target audience, you might want to remove it at all. Um, yeah, one more thing I want to mention are um, cards that are very game-specific, um, and they are often not exactly about um, point scoring but more on they target the other mechanics around the point um, the point scoring and they they interact with the kind of how you distribute the cards in the beginning for example um, but i think they are really they are really interesting and i wanted to mention some of them um, yeah because i think they they make those games unique for example in sushi go you have the chopsticks um, and they allow you to, or will let you take two cards on a future turn. So um, in, you pick the chopsticks first, and then later in a pack, if you see two cards that you really like, you pick those two cards and put the chopsticks back in, um, uh, yeah, in the pack, so that someone else can pick up the chopsticks later on. You also have the menu card, um, which uh, will allow you to draw four cards from the unused deck. Um, and uh, you may look at them and then choose one card to, to play it immediately. Um, and the other three cards will be returned to the deck then. Um, yeah, that will give you some kind of additional shot to, to look or search for a very specific card that you, that you want to get. Um, then you have the spoon card. Um, and that will allow you to... Um, um, to, 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 to swap the spoon card with any card from your um, the player to your left. Um, so you can try to yeah, somehow interact with the other players, which is often something you do more in an indirect way in this, these kind of games. But there is no rule saying that you cannot add some kind of um, additional card that allow you to attack what your opponent is doing. Yeah. And um, another card that I've card type that I've seen in many of those games are kind of, let's call them the trickster card or the special card or the choker, um, which is a card that um, will allow you to um, either copy a card that you have already played um, or become any card you want be to use it as some kind of choker. For example, if you are collecting a set and the last card is missing, it be can become the last missing card. Um, and to make it a little bit less powerful, I have also seen um, this card um, reducing the the point value that you get from it by minus one. For example, you um, 
choose the third card of a set that was missing and this set then scores you 10 points. Um, then it would afterwards reduced by one to nine points to make the trickster card a little bit less um, overpowered. And I have Dinzo's card in 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 many of uh, of the different uh, different games. So that's pretty much um, yeah everything I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to go through uh, different scoring mechanisms in those kind of games. Um, um, I pretty much did this to get some kind of new ideas for cards that I could create for um, the insect game that I'm currently creating with my with my son as a hobby project. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to create some new um, interesting interesting insects. So um, as the last words, a few um, tips or principles that um, I would try to 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 follow when i create this kind of these kind of games i would like try to keep the scoring very simple um complex scoring complex math and equations um will lead to situations that players don't really understand or um that they start calculating during the game and i really don't want to do that um what i want to do instead is i want to make the scoring very simple and i want to make it transparent so um, the rules should make pretty clear what each kind of cards do. So um, I like um, if the scoring values are uh, printed on the cards so that if you look at the cards, you immediately know what kind, of, um, what kind of maximum number of points you can achieve with, those, with, with the strategy of those cards. And um, I also like when those... Um, strategies are kind of i don't want to say obvious but i want uh, them to be um pretty simple to spot so what can help with that is for example that you print the number of copies um, of that specific card type also on the card so if your card has for example i don't know uh five salads and two tomatoes in it um then you should print that on the salad card that it is five times in the deck. Um, that will help the players to evaluate quickly um, yeah, how many points they can score with, this, with the salad or how many cards they need, for example, to have the most, the most salads. Um, so this is something that I, um, that I try, to, try to do in this, in this game as well. Yeah, and of course, I want to, want to have a lot of uh, variability. So it should not always win you should not always win with the same kind of uh, strategy they should be pretty much uh, even out at the end um and um yeah you should be able to explore new strategies new goals um whenever you whenever you play the game and um yeah i'm still figuring that out for the insect game it will probably not become a published game anytime soon um but it will help me to um yeah to uh, have some nice uh, weekends with my with my children during this uh, COVID nineteen time, and um, yeah, that's uh, pretty awesome already. So, until next week, keep shooting for the moon and nerd like a boss. Goodbye.